You're going to encourage me while I'm up here, right? Tell me to preach it, Pastor. Tell me to preach it. No, you tell me to preach it. So it's great to see you guys. We have a number of families away on vacation and other things going on, and yet you came out today, and we're just so glad to see you. I thought I might be preaching to some empty pews. I got so many texts this week saying, we're on vacation, we're on vacation, we're on vacation, we won't be there. Mid-July to August in central Pennsylvania is huge vacation time. There's no official toddler ministry today, but we do have a nursery and a toddler room available. If you feel you need to go out and go out with your child for a while or whatever, you're welcome to go into those rooms. They just won't be staffed. You'll have to stay with them. We always begin introduction and review. We completed a sermon series through Acts. Now it's been maybe a month or two, and we're well into Ephesians. Let's go back a couple of weeks in Ephesians. We're still working off of this verse, chapter 1, verse 3. We're beyond that, but that's the foundational verse for what we have been talking about in here. Ephesians 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we do praise you, Heavenly Father. And we do praise you, Lord Jesus, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So we've been working off of this foundational verse. And we've been looking at the spiritual blessings belonging to those who are in Christ. And I want to point out, it's important to note, these are spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. They're spiritual in nature. They're mystical in nature. They're not physical blessings in the earthly realm. Food, clothing, shelter. We are, of course, blessed in those areas. God makes sure that his people have everything they need in the area of food, clothing, and shelter. They're earthly blessings. They're physical blessings. They're great blessings. That's not what we're talking about in this first chapter of Ephesians. We're talking about spiritual blessings. They're spiritual in nature. Thus far, in verse 4, spiritual blessings in Christ, verse 4, we are loved and we are chosen by God before the world was ever formed, before Genesis 1-1, before he formed you in the womb. He knew you and he chose you and he loved you deeply. Verse 5, we are adopted as sons and daughters, children of God, into the family of God. Now, this is all in Christ. This is just not automatic to the human race. This is for those who have come to Jesus, made him their Lord and Savior in their life. These are spiritual blessings for us. And one of them here is we've been adopted as sons and daughters of God. God is our Father. For many of us, that has to become more real to us in these days ahead. And if you had an an earthly father figure that wasn't quite all that it should be, it can be sometimes difficult to understand God as our father. And you need to press into that. You need to pursue that. And you need to read his word to see the type of father he is. Wish that all of our earthly fathers were the type of father God is. That's not always the case. But if you've come to Christ, you have an earthly father who's perfect in all of his ways and loves you deeply.
Many new believers with father issues have a hard time with that. And we need to press through that and find out who God really is, our father. Then in verse 7, we found out that we're redeemed. We're forgiven of all our sins. We're forgiven from the penalty of sin, eternity in the lake of fire. That's a spiritual blessing for those who are in Christ. Those who are not in Christ, we said, will end up in the lake of fire. We wish that wasn't true, but it is. That's why we need to be so compelled, let love compel us to be telling people about Jesus and what they can escape in him, an eternal destiny apart from him. So those we've already covered, spiritual blessings in Christ. Today, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14, will my reader come, Jim? We need to make Jim feel at home. He's still recovering from when he read back in February. (laughs) Stand with me, please. And Jim, when everybody's standing and, and still, then you read right into the mic, please. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now, you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Very good, Jim. Thank you. May be seated. If you're here and you would be interested to read scripture before, uh, during the message for me, just let me know. We'll put your name on the list. If you're here and you would feel comfortable praying after the message, leading the congregation in prayer, let me know. We'll put your name on the list. <laughs> so today's title is Guaranteed Inheritance. Does that even mean? In Christ, we have a guaranteed inheritance. Earthly speaking, most kids hope to get at least some kind of inheritance from their parents. Uh, I see a lot of parents laughing in here. You're looking to your kids to make sure you're okay when you get older. Most kids are hoping to get some kind of inheritance. That's just an earthly human practice since the beginning of time, something that, that, you know, God smiles on. But unfortunately, it doesn't always work that way on earth. It doesn't always work that way, earthly speaking. But in Christ, believers, God's kids, they're guaranteed an inheritance. We're guaranteed an inheritance. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We want to somehow try to explain in a simple and relatable way. We said that's been the challenge all along in the book of Ephesians, making it as simple and relatable as possible because there's a lot of lofty spiritual truth here. 
And that has been the challenge. But today we're going to try and talk about guaranteed inheritance in a way that we understand it. We can relate to it. The format today is going to revert back to the book of Acts. It's going to be reminiscent, reminiscent of those exegesis sermons in Acts. Remember that word, exegesis? Anybody remember that word? Five years, 12 years in Acts, you don't remember exegesis? It means we read the verse, we make commentary on the verse, then we support our commentary with Scripture and application. That's the way we're going to work through this passage today. Let's begin. Ephesians 1, verse 11. Because we are united with Christ, in him, in Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. He chose us in advance. And he makes everything work out according to his plan. Some comments. In Christ, we, pay attention, have received. Some versions have the word obtained in there. Very similar thought. We have received. We have obtained an inheritance. Not unlike these other spiritual blessings that we have studied, this is in the present tense. We have received an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. Meaning the spiritual blessing of an inheritance is already ours. It already belongs to us. Our inheritance in Christ already, present tense, belongs to us. He has already chosen us in advance. This is possible because of his foreknowledge. He knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. Every decision... He knows every decision that has been made or will be made or even can be made. That's mind-blowing, right? But that's God. He's so far above us. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We can't understand him with our, understand him with our human understanding. We have to read his word, his revelation to us, and let him speak to us in our spirits to understand who he is. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows every thought ever made, every thought that ever will be made, every decision, and every thought and every decision that could be. Wrap your head around that, Nick. What do you think? Your brain leaks out your ear when you start trying to think of that stuff. But because he is that all-knowing, he can predetermine our inheritance beforehand. Then, because he's also omnipotent, Big theological word that simply means all-powerful. There's nothing too difficult for God to do, nothing too hard for God. Because he's omnipotent, he makes everything work out according to his plan. He plans it, then he has the power. He knows it, so he plans it, then he has the power to make it work out. And yet in that whole process, are you with me? He'll never violate your free will. He'll never make you do anything. He gave us free will, and he honors free will, even when it's to our own hurt. But he honors free will. He'll never twist your arm, make you do what he wants you to do, even though what he wants you to do is so much better than what we can choose for ourselves. But that's God. Because of all this, he can guarantee us an inheritance, and it, it cannot be shaken. We'll talk about that as we move on. He can guarantee it. For now, the next verse is 12. 
12 and the first part of, the, of 13. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles, you have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. Just make no mistake about it in, in, in case we're wondering. In God's eyes, there's only two types of people in the world, although there's many ethnic groups. But there's either Jews by, uh, by um, ancestry or there's Gentiles, non-Jews. You're either Jewish or you're Gentile. Then under that, under Gentile especially, there's a lot of breakdown. So the Jews and the Gentiles includes all of humanity, all of mankind. Now, the purpose in all of these spiritual blessings is very simple, that God will be praised and glorified. Just another quick stop and say, hey, are we fully appreciating all the blessings God has given us, the physical and the spiritual? Are we stopping and thanking him? Grateful to him? Honestly, many of us complain more than we give thanks. We grumble more than we have gratitude and are grateful. And yet God is always working on our behalf. Every good thing you have comes from God, no other place. The world, the flesh, and the devil does not bring you good things. Every good thing you have is from God. Everything good thing I have is from God. Even in the hardest times, there's so much to be grateful for. So all of this is to the praise and glory of God. We who are recipients, beneficiaries, Jew or Gentile, are to give God great praise and glory for our spiritual blessings. Our physical blessings too, but the context today is spiritual blessings. We are to praise him. Not enough praise, not enough praise, not enough praise to him in the church. We ought to praise him and we're to give him glory for what he has done for us in Christ. And here it says, it went to the Jews first. Yep, well, that makes sense. They were his chosen people. Remember Acts chapter 2, Pentecost? 3,000 folks came to Christ after one sermon. Mostly all, if not all, Jews. Gospel came to the Jews first. The Jews were the first to believe the gospel. Then the Gentiles. Remember the missionary journeys of Paul. 12 years in the book of Acts. Not really. But a long time in the book of Acts, remember those missionary journeys? Paul and his companions, many Gentiles, non-Jews now, throughout the then-known world coming to Christ. God was gathering a family from all people groups, Jews and Gentiles, all mankind. And the purpose of that, the reason he was doing that, we talked about it in a, in a previous sermon, won't rehash that, but the bottom line is, so that he's being praised and glorified through it. Because his people, who are the beneficiaries of that, are praising him. Got that, Brandon? First, the second part of verse 13 and then verse 14. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. We need to learn so much more about that. We have the Holy Spirit. That's not exactly for today. The Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. And that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. 
When you believed in Christ, at the moment you truly believed in your heart and you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you obtained an eternal inheritance. At that moment, it became yours. Understand, it was already yours before the foundation of the world. But since you needed to come, I needed to come. When I say you, I'm including myself right in the midst of that. For some reason, it's just easier to say you. But since you and I needed to come to Christ in space and time, we don't exist outside of space and time. God does. But since we needed to come to Christ in space and time, our inheritance couldn't literally become ours until we got saved in space and time. Is that making sense? It was yours. Your name was on it. It's in heaven, safely guarded. We'll see that in a minute. But it really didn't become yours until you accepted Christ in space and time. Now it is yours. You getting that, Joe? I'm making sense? Trying to make this as simple and relatable as possible to our human understanding or our understanding when it's such high spiritual truth. When you were born again into God's family through faith in Christ, when you became his kid, your inheritance officially became yours. And it comes with a guarantee. That's not true, earthly speaking. There is no guarantee. Parents may have the best of intentions, but you know life circumstances, and there goes the inheritance. Mom and dad, stop spending my inheritance. Took you a while. In Christ, our inheritance comes with a guarantee. And the guarantee is none other than God himself, the Holy Spirit. He is the guarantee of our inheritance in Christ. He guarantees. And then he assures us that we have an inheritance in Christ. And nothing, 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 to be better English, more better English, nothing, will threaten or disturb your inheritance. It's yours. If you're in Christ, nothing will threaten or disturb that inheritance. The Holy Spirit is a down payment, so to speak, of the full inheritance to come in the future, sort of like a trust fund. It's yours, but you can't fully access it until you're a certain age. The Holy Spirit is God's promise of things to come. Believers in Christ already have a full inheritance in Christ. It is ours now, and we will receive it in all of its fullness in the future. That's a promise. That's a guarantee from God himself who cannot lie. We will get everything God has promised us. So we have just exegeted that passage. We've completed the exegesis. We're going to close with some relevant scripture that applies, some application to our lives, and three groupings. First set of scriptures are going to just establish the fact for us and assure us we do indeed have an inheritance. The second grouping of scriptures is going to establish the fact and assure us that it is promised and it is guaranteed. 
The emphasis there will be on the Holy Spirit, who is the promise and who is the guarantee. Then the group, group three, we're, we're going to attempt to discover, and this is going to be tough. We're going to try and discover what exactly is the inheritance that's laid up for us. Is it money? Is it literally a mansion? I got a mansion just over the hillside. Okay? That's all I know, and you probably didn't even recognize the song when I was singing it. Is it a mansion? Is, is, it, is it food, clothing, and shelter for all of eternity? Is that what this inheritance is? We're going to try and understand what it is, and it's, it's difficult. Are you in? Are you in? Can you spare me just a few more minutes? Look at some scriptures. Ian, we're good? All right, then. Let's establish the fact, let's assure ourselves from Scripture that we do indeed have an inheritance in Christ. Acts 20, 32. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. God is able to ensure us an inheritance and God is able to make it happen. Galatians 4, 7. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Heirs inherit. Ephesians 1.18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That's your understanding. Your spiritual understanding. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the glorious riches of of his inheritance in the saints. Colossians 1.12, always thanking the Father, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people, to those who live in Christ, to those who live in the light. Colossians 3.24, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And that the master you are serving is Christ. In Christ, as a child of God, as an heir of God, we do indeed have an inheritance. Now we want to establish the fact and ensure ourselves that that inheritance isn't wishy-washy, isn't maybe here, maybe not. It's guaranteed. It's promised to us by God himself, the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 9.15 that is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and his people, that's Jesus, so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. It's not just a hope so. It's not just a wishful inheritance. Maybe it'll get spent until it's time to inherit it. To inherit it. No, this is a sure hope. It's a promised inheritance. God promised it, and you can bank that. 2 Corinthians 1.22, he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. If you know Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within you. If the Holy Spirit doesn't live within you, you don't know Christ. That's scripture, Romans. Too much to go into today, but we need to know that. If you truly came to Christ, 
God's Holy Spirit, God himself, dwells within you. And if he doesn't dwell within you, you never really came to Christ. And we got to take care of that issue. But for those of us who do know Christ, and we do know that the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and by the way, he lets us know that he lives within us, his spirit resonates with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you truly know him, you know you know him. And if you're not sure you know him, we need to talk. That Holy Spirit that dwells in us, he ensures us that we have an inheritance. He guarantees us our inheritance. He's the down payment of it. We already have the first installment of our inheritance within us. You still with me out there? Okay. 2 Corinthians 5.5, 5, God himself has prepared us for this as a guarantee he has given us his Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Another just side note, if you're living sin in sin and not really caring about it, that grieves God's Holy Spirit. That grieves his heart. God is, is a personality. He has emotion. He can be hurt. He can be sad. He can be disappointed. He can be grieved. Fortunately, though, he does not leave us. He never stops loving us. My children sometimes do things that grieve me and hurt me and disappoint me for their sakes because I love them so much. But they're still my children and I still love them. But we can grieve the Holy Spirit and we don't want to do that. We want to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, his blessing. We want him to be pleased with us. We want his favor. And sin can block that. Remember, he has identified you as, as his own heirs, guaranteeing our inheritance that you'll be, you will be saved on the day of redemption. In Christ as a child of God, as an heir of God, our inheritance is indeed promised and guaranteed by God himself. The Holy Spirit is both the promise and the promiser. In the last grouping of Scripture, we will attempt to discover what exactly is this inheritance. And here's the problem. Scripture doesn't give a lot of detail about it. And the details that it does give, you've got to really kind of think about and ask God to make it real and clear to us. We could speculate what this inheritance is, but the problem with that is we could speculate wrong, and we don't want to do that. My pastor, when he was discipling and mentoring and coaching me and teaching me, one of his big things was, Hub, you always want to be accurate with Scripture. You don't want to take things for granted. You don't want to be cliche-ish. You don't want to just believe it because everybody else is believing it. you got to study it, and you got to be as accurate as possible. And if you don't know, you don't know, and you tell your people you don't know. So I'm going to give you some verses today that I don't know for sure what exactly it means, but I know it's Scripture, and I know it's true. 
there are only three things that Scripture clearly references as part of the believer's inheritance. There may be more, but we're going to stick to the ones that we can know for sure. Deal? Titus 3, 7. Because of his grace. Now remember, these are spiritual blessings. This is not food, clothing, and shelter. It's not tangible things that you can say, oh yeah, here's my blessing. These are spiritual, mystical blessings in the heavenly realms. That's what Ephesians talks about at, at the opening. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight. And he gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Eternal life is part of our inheritance in Christ. And what that means, as practical as possible, is no second death, no lake of fire, eternity with God. That's part of our inheritance. That's enough to make you say hallelujah, though, right there. Or amen. Or preach it, pastor. Or take your time, pastor. James 2.5. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom that he promised to those who love him? Whatever that is exactly, the kingdom is part of our inheritance. We inherit the kingdom of God. We inherit the kingdom of heaven. Ours is the kingdom of God. Ours is the kingdom of heaven. We inherit that. We're his heirs. Romans 8, 17. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Again, whatever exactly that is, and I know it's good, God's glory is part of our inheritance. We will inherit God's glory. Now remember, this is in the present tense. We already have that. God's glory dwells within us. The fullness of the Godhead, whoop, the fullness of the Godhead dwells within you. And me. So part of our inheritance is we inherit God's glory. We are heirs of God's glory, and it's a good thing, and it's a great thing. And we want to know more about that. And we want to know more about knowing that now, here and now, as we go about living for him, loving him, living for him, serving him. We want to know more about this. We already have inherited the kingdom. We already have inherited eternal life. We've already inherited his glory. What should that look like now in our daily living? You can't get saved and stay the same. If you think you've gotten saved and you stayed the same, you need to go back and check again. Not everyone who cries to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who truly got saved and their lives begin to change, and it's evidenced. And that's not a special uh, few. It's accessible to everybody. But you cannot get saved and continue to live the same as you always did. That's an aborted salvation. Let's wrap it up. Try and find an application. 1 Peter 1, 4. 
we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled. You say, well, wait a minute, it's in heaven, how can I have it? See, that's that thing about we live here and we live in the heavenly realms at the same time. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. We're here and we're there. Our inheritance is here and our inheritance is there. Help us, Lord. Understand this. Because it's rich and it can change your life. We have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of any change or decay. Nothing can threaten or disturb your inheritance in Christ. If you truly came to Christ, it's yours for all of eternity. Conclusion. In Christ, we do indeed have an eternal inheritance. It's promised and it's guaranteed by none other than the Holy Spirit himself. And whatever it is, whatever it is exactly, it is ours. It's being kept and guarded in heaven for us. It cannot be threatened. It cannot be disturbed. The only other thing I would say is that our inheritance is all about life, no death. No matter how bleak, this would be the application in my mind. So give me one or two more minutes. No matter how bleak life seems here and now, and it can seem rather bleak at times, amen? No matter how bleak life seems here and now, the future is looking bright because we have an inheritance in Christ. It's ours, it's promised, it's guaranteed by God. Now this ends the section on spiritual blessings. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. It began in verse 3, it concluded in verse 14, and it's very interesting because both of those verses say the, to the praise and glory of God. This section on spiritual blessings began with praise and glorify God, verse 3. It ends with praise and glorify God, verse 14. So we're truly blessed in Christ. We need to praise and glorify God. Deb, if you'll come and pray. Sonny, if you'll come and bring the band up and We'll praise and glorify God in music. Stand. Right into the mic. Wait until everybody's settled. Don't try and pray over them. I don't. You need to settle down so she can pray. She's going to wait till you're settled. Yeah, don't rush it, Deb. Take your time, First Lady. All right, Jamal. <laughs> All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just, we praise you and we thank you for, for all that you've given us, for this inheritance that, you've, that we have. We have it now, Father. We're not even a promise it for the future, but we have it now. We have it to claim it. And so, Father, I pray as we leave today that we, that we claim that inheritance in Jesus Christ, that we would accept it and know that we are children of God and we're here to fulfill those promises that he came to save the world, that we are his ambassadors to go out, Father, and to proclaim that good news about Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I just praise you. I just praise you and thank you, and we want to give you all honor and glory in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Amen.